0: with more happiness and prosperity through his master in the game of life podcast and books paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organizations in their development fundraising and projects
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. You may recall that we've been doing a mini-series around the 10 Disciplines of Love with Kelly Branley. Kelly is a dating and relationship coach and executive matchmaker all the way from sunny Switzerland. Kelly, I hope it is sunny in Switzerland.
2: It is absolutely gorgeous here right now, and I'm looking out over the lake and the mountains, and uh, it couldn't be a more beautiful day.
1: Wow. What a a beautiful thought, listeners, to set off um, what is episode eight of the 10 Disciplines of Law. And this one, Kelly, is around the discipline of respecting your relationship, is it not?
2: That is true. And this will probably be of the 10 episodes, the one that I get the most emails, questions, response and comments to. So this will be an interesting one.
1: Okay, well, on that note of interest, then let's let's get the show on the road. So where do we start with this, Kelly?
2: I wanted to start off just by explaining a little bit about my view on relationships and what a lot of the science says about relationships and where a lot of couples go wrong. And that is, we all know that relationships often start out with a connection. There's a lot of lust and passion, um, but people will experience over time that that maybe disappears. And so they're always asking, you know, what's missing in our relationship? And what we're going to talk about today is that second piece that is so critical, and that's about creating a secure relationship together. And we're going to talk about something today called um, the couple bubble, which is a uh, topic that's come from one of my favorite authors and therapists, Stan Tatkin. And he describes the couple bubble as basically being the uh, sort of like an impermeable membrane that you can envision around a twosome. So we're gonna talk a lot about twosomes today and what that means.
1: Excellent, okay, so well sounds a a good place to start as you said is the couple bubble. I mean, very interesting couple of words there. So um, yeah, well, yeah, let's start on that, let's
2: start on that. So where this kind of theory comes from is that in the world we generally form twosomes. From the day we're born, I mean, we have two parents but we form a twosome with our mother. Um, As we grew up, we we tend to have a best friend or a twosome. So if you look through life, as human beings, we tend to connect very deeply with one person. And although there will be situations where we're three, four, or more people together, there's always one primary relationship that exists and that's somehow stronger than the other relationships. You can see this when children play in groups of three, right? You'll always see the two that are together and there's always a third wheel, one that's trying to always break into that twosome. And in relationships, if we think about the couple bubble, it's to say that your ultimate twosome, the one at the top is you and your partner and you're within this bubble. And part of creating security in a relationship is learning how to maintain the integrity and the security of that twosome and to manage anything that's external to it. So we'll use um, Stan Tatkin's language, which is, he calls it managing thirds, which is anything external to your twosome. So where this becomes a little bit controversial, while I said I'll probably get a lot of questions on this, is it goes against a little bit the societal view of, you know, really being all in in a relationship and being there to do for the couple rather than the individual. And sort of society has grown much more accustomed to the idea of autonomy, standing on your own two feet, not being dependent, you know, using the word codependency, if you're too close with your partner, you're codependent. Um, And this concept kind of, you know, goes against that and says, well, to create a really secure relationship, you need to be all in with that one person with your partner.
1: Yeah, I can, um, yeah, I can see the contrast here, Kelly. And um, before we, yeah, okay. So I want to throw no, another curveball in on this, um, uh, on the managing thirds element of well, this. May be a bit too deep, too soon, but I'm sure you'll, you know, you'll guide us away from that if that is the case. Um, source. What about that relationship with source? Is that classed as a third? <laughs>
2: My mind actually just went there as I was saying that, you know, um, this source highest relationship. And I know, yeah, exactly. For, for people that have a strong spiritual um, and they relate to whatever, you know, if you want to call it source, universe, God, whatever, they will argue that that relationship is in fact higher. Um, I think that could be a very long and deep discussion if we decide to go down that path. Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to perhaps put that one into our proverbial parking lot maybe for another episode and bring us back into focusing on sort of the purpose of this 10 mini-series, which is on the relationship and the couple. And let's just um, say for argument's sake that we're putting that one at the top for the moment.
1: Yep. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That makes another, sense. Another time, <laughs> another place. We've got a long list of... Um... Other considerations building up nicely Kelly
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly so let's come back a little bit to this couple bubble and what sort of the purpose of having this bubble is and as I said it's about creating security in the relationship and within this bubble there's a couple of sort of rules that go with that so one of them is to say is that we are a twosome and and I will never leave you when we're you know, forming this bubble that I will make sure that I never do anything intentionally to frighten you. And if I inadvertently hurt you, I will be the one to help minimize that distress for you that within that bubble, that's the role of each of the, per- the partners in that twosome, that this relationship that we have is the most important to me. And it comes before all those thirds So thirds can be children, parents, in-laws, colleagues, hobbies, television, career, whatever you want to include in that bucket. But this relationship is the most important to me. And that you will always be the first person I tell anything of importance before I tell a second, third or fourth person.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, certainly on a, dare I say, a logical I absolutely get that. Absolutely get that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is fascinating listeners to, to see how, as Kelly said, you know, we I know she didn't use the word "conditioned," but we are conditioned to this whole way of being and this whole, you know, I think we default in, in at a to very early age into survival mode and these basics, if I can, you know, be allowed to call them basics that, um, that are becoming apparent now Kelly we kind of we just lose sight of those don't we you know that that person that we spend the biggest part of our time with he or she surely must be the focal point of our you know well, of our time of our emotion and everything but we we certainly get very distracted um as, on a general basis
2: we do and we come to sort of yeah fall into this the beliefs of this sort of Um, what do you call it, pop psychology or pseudo psychology that comes out. And one of the things um, that I love about the way that Stan Tatton talks about, you know, couple bubbles and stuff is he challenges, and I know you like this, Paul, to challenge sort of common statements and beliefs. And one of the things that he does challenge is this belief that you need to love yourself first before you can be in a loving relationship. And his argumentation on that is we come into this world not loving ourselves. We come into this world neutral, and it is through being loved and experience having someone support and look after us and nurture us that we learn what love is about. And so a lot of times he sees in his practices, and I've experienced this too, is we believe that in a relationship we need to pull back and look after ourselves to a much greater degree before we can be part of that couple and actually there's an argument to say the more you experience that loving connection together the easier it is to love yourself
1: yeah absolutely, absolutely.
2: Yeah. so I wanted to come back to this idea of thirds because there's another sort of key nugget here that's important in that is to say that thirds always start out neutral what does that mean so when you have your, your couple bubble intact, a third will at the beginning not appear to be any kind of a threat to your your couple bubble. And let's say we take, for example, an in-law, so a parent of one of the couple. At the beginning, this relationship is very easy, it flows nicely. Uh, this the partner says, Yeah, I love my in-laws, you know, we get along great, we have a lot in common, etc. But over time, if the couple bubble doesn't stay intact, and let's just say for argument, it's the daughter's father, and she then spends more time, you know, talking to the father, sharing intimate details of her life with the father that she's not sharing with her spouse or her partner, over time, resentment will build up. And then what's happened is, instead of the twosome being, you know, the the husband and wife, now there's a twosome created between the wife and the father, and the husband is the third on the outside of that twosome. And so therefore, what started out being very neutral in time can grow negative if that couple doesn't have rules and ways to manage within their couple bubble. Do you follow that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, and we can talk about a really um, sort of yeah <laughs> the topic of infidelity, of course, is one where it also, you know, how many times have you heard about infidelity happening where the person will say, oh, it didn't start out that way. I never intended it for ha- to happen. You know, I mean, I think it's probably rare, although it does happen that somebody goes out intentionally wanting to have an affair. I think in the most cases it happens unintentionally. And it happens because the couple bubble isn't intact. And that person has allowed a third person um, into the couple bubble and now has started a new twosome. And so it happens. It starts out neutral, but it ends up being negative in the long run.
1: Mm, yeah. And it's, it's those thin lines, isn't it? What's coming through to me there, Kelly, as you speak speaking is, those thin lines of, you know, how we conduct ourselves, as you say, not that real strong, deliberate, conscious intention to, I'm gonna go out and have an affair, but, you know, these things happen because there's no boundaries. I don't think boundaries is too strong a word. Um, No. You know, to to say, look, this is the way things are, this is this bubble, and by definition, a bubble has um, sides, um, which, you know, equate to boundaries. So, yeah, I absolutely understand Mm -hmm. this, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it it can be very subtle. So when you think about it, and that's why I love this idea of the bubble because you can visualize, you know, you and your partner with this sort of um, transparent bubble around you and how the, the outside of the world is. And it happens very subtly and it can be things like, you know, you can be out for dinner with friends and you sort of marginalize your spouse. You make a joke at their expense, you know. All of a sudden you're outside the bubble, your spouse is alone. Um, You can betray them simply by sharing very intimate details about them, you know. Um, Mention that, oh yeah, my spouse is uh, taking a certain medication for depression. It seems very um, benign in the moment, but that is actually a betrayal of your intimate connection. You can sort of demote them by going outside your bubble and, you know, creating a twosome with someone else. Devalue them. Uh, children are, are a wonderful example of thirds. And you can probably have lots of examples where one spouse takes the side of the child rather than their spouse. And this creates all kinds of difficulty in the relationship because now the twosome bond is between the parent and the child. And the parents are not um, having solidarity um, towards the children.
1: So- Okay, I think we've, we've lasted sort of a few minutes, Kelly, without a, a humour blast. I think it's time for a humour blast on that one. So message to newborn children, when you come in and start playing mum against dad and vice versa, stop and think about the, um, well, the complications that created. So, you know, before you're learning to see or hear or, or whatever, then think about that first.
2: absolutely yes (laughs) we should we should put the burden of that one fully on the newborn children i think they can take that responsibility over yeah
1: definitely
2: yeah um another area that kind of relates to this and and one i like to use and i work with a lot with the couples i work with is having discussions and agreements up front and i think we talked about this in a previous episode about what is okay behavior and what is not okay behavior in a relationship? Yeah. And this is where, you know, as we talked about the subtlety of things, there's, there's a, a new term out there called micro-cheating, you know? Um, what does that mean? What is in your relationship the meaning of micro-cheating? Is it okay for you, for your spouse to have, let's say, lunch with an ex-partner? Does that constitute micro-cheating to you, or is that okay? Um, Questions about same-sex friends. You know, how do you protect your bubble? Um, Do you always say, yeah, you can have same-sex friends, but you don't meet them alone, or I join you, or whatever, you know, your particular rules are for your relationship? It's important to discuss these things, with the goal being that you want to make sure that whatever you're doing your spouse feels secure in your relationship if you're doing something whether it's meeting somebody or attending an event or something and your your partner feels uncomfortable about that it's important to have a discussion and understand why they feel uncomfortable and what you can do to help relieve that feeling of discomfort and create that security
1: doesn't that massively kelly bring in the question of trust though
2: It does, but trust the way I see it is not always the sort of excuse for I can do what I choose to do because you should trust me. Mm. You know, there's reasons why people feel insecure and it may be your partner's issue. It may be because of their history that they struggle with that. Maybe let's say if we talk about cheating, maybe a previous partner cheated on them while they were away on a business trip. Now we have a trigger point. So when you now go on a business trip, it triggers your partner to remember that negative experience and they feel uncomfortable. Now by, by you saying, well, you should trust me. I've never cheated on you. I'm not your ex. You're pushing the burden onto them to deal with their anxiety. Where in the the concept of the couple bubble and creating a secure relationship, What you want to do is step into your role and say, I care about your feelings. I care that you're struggling with this. How can I support you so this isn't so difficult for you? What can I do? Maybe I just need to call you in the evening and let you know that I'm in my room. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe you want to join on this trip. I don't know the solution that you'll come up with. But it's about saying, I have a responsibility to help You manage this anxiety, even though it has nothing to do with something I did to cause it. I take that responsibility as your partner.
1: Yeah, it's um, to use the term, Kelly. It's sharing the load, isn't it? Rather than it is. You know, it's all you or it's all me. Um, And I assume that within that, there is no right, there is no wrong. It's what those that mutual agreement is. What two people decide, the give and take, whatever that may end up looking like. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. And each couple is different because you've each had different experiences in life. And, you know, a lot of people will come into a relationship and say, well, because I did it this way with my ex, I expect to do it this way with you. Mm. And that's a very dangerous assumption to make because each couple is a unique entity in itself and needs its own rules. It needs to be discussed and agreed within that dynamic. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it does literally reinforce the uniqueness, as you say, of the of the whole dynamic, doesn't it? It's, uh, there is no right, there is no wrong, as I've said. Yeah, I, I like this. I can understand how, I can see how, certainly from my own past, where I've gone wrong in this, that particularly with that trusting, you know, because I'm secure in who I am and what I am, it's like it doesn't need any elaboration. Well, actually, mm-hmm. that's fine, Paul, but you're only one half of a coin, so to speak and never really factoring in the other side of and then that actually from my own point of view kelly planted seeds of doubt and even i think probably not too strong a word resentment of this distrust whereas i can see what we're doing here is creating that more harmonious um balanced holistic approach to a relationship yeah good stuff i like it
2: yeah, it's it's we're in this together. It's this idea of it's you and me against the world. And we're going to figure out our way together to solve all these issues that come up. That. And if trust is, is an issue from your past, I'm going to be there and I'm going to help you deal with that issue. And through time, we will learn together what our relationship means with regards to trust. How do we build that secure trusting relationship as a couple?
1: Absolutely love what Kelly just said there, listeners, about we're in this together, this kind of us versus the world. And I know that's a very confrontational, some would say, non-spiritual approach or language to use. But, yeah, I think there's that whole kind of, you know, two become one, and now the two that it is us become one with the universe. Maybe that's going a bit too far, but I love what you said there. Absolutely love that.
2: Right. Yeah, I I really strongly believe that to create the kind of relationship that I hope for all the people that I work with and all your listeners, and I'm sure this ideal relationship that we have in mind, it oftentimes requires us to go against sort of the general society view, which has become very individualistic. Is that, is that correct? Individualistic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. you say a word and in the moment it sounds strange.
1: <laughs> well that, that old adage Kelly isn't it, the art of communication is being understood. You know that's why if I say a word now or, or a, a guess as a word or just in any conversation I never challenge it because I think well, yeah I know what you mean. Um, <laughs> you know when, the, when none of us are going to start getting the Oxford Concise English Dictionary and I say well actually do you know what Kelly there's no such word. Does it matter?
2: (laughs) Well, I think it's another topic, but I do believe language is so important because the language that we use creates stories in our mind and we repeat those stories. And I actually was working with a client uh, earlier in the week and we were discussing her problem was she said i always date these men and they're way too independent for me you know they don't have enough involvement in the relationship and i started challenging her her language because in everything she said she said i want a man who's financially independent i want a man who's um this independence and independence i said well you've created in your mind this vision of these independent men that don't need you so it's no wonder you keep attracting them Um, Let's change that language and maybe we'll see if we get a different result and it was quite an interesting discussion we had
1: So is there a balance to be had there then in terms of that that total Dependence versus that total independence. I mean, is there a sweet spot in the middle that we aim for?
2: Well, I think for a healthy relationship You still need to be able to be your own person but the caveat there is being your own person shouldn't come at the cost of your partner. Yeah. So when we think about the, the, the couple bubble, um, let's take a hobby for example, let's take football because I think that you like football every once in a while. And that can be a classic ser- third that can destroy relationships. So how do you take an interest in football that defines you as a person and bring that into the concept of the couple bubble? Um, Because if you leave it outside and you just interact with football, whether it's watching it on TV, going to games with your mates, playing, whatever, and you leave your spouse out of that, there's a lot of time that is in another twosome. But if you engage your spouse into that hobby, it doesn't mean that they need to love football, but to look for ways to engage them in that so whether it's your spouse says well i'm happy to go to a match but i don't like watching it on tv okay well then one of those three areas you've now brought it into your couple bubble so they say i go to the matches with you because i love spending time with you and i like to see how happy you are when you watch football
1: definitely time for another humor blast on this one on the football notes kelly um with a former partner from about 20 years ago uh, what used to happen in those days? I used to have um, my three my three kids uh, from from my uh, from my previous marriage, um, and it was a it was a Christmas uh, it was a Boxing Day sorry, and obviously in the UK Boxing Day is a big is a big day in the uh, in the football fixtures. So so I've got my three kids and I'm with my, uh, my new partner, and so what did I decide? I said right okay, let's all go down the match for, you know, by way of an extra Christmas treat. Well, with my eldest daughter, that was like, wow, yeah, let's do that, Dad. With my youngest son, yeah, let's do that, Dad. However, with my middle daughter and my partner, um, just let's say they were less than enthusiastic to the point where they both took a book and 30,000 people around them screaming, shouting, getting excited because the uh, the team won 3-0 didn't matter one iota they just simply kept turning the pages on the book yawning and rolling their eyes to say this is so boring
2: <laughs> well i i guess we know where the couple bubble was on that day <laughs> <laughs> and the two of you certainly were not in it together <laughs>
1: absolutely absolutely yeah. lesson lesson learned lesson learned <laughs> okay um so, any—I mean, the other one, um, Kelly. I think around th- this, you know, t- that third uh, term, surely is the uh, is the mobile phone, isn't it?
2: Oh yes, that's that's another big one, definitely. Mm. And uh, I mean, that we go into the aspect of respect. I think for me, being constantly on your phone while you've got one year listening to your partner, and the other side, you're on your phone. Uh, doesn't show a lot of respect. It doesn't uh, put you together with your partner in a conversation that becomes meaningful, right, because you're only 50% if that's present. And I think that is a huge, huge distraction that comes between a lot of couples.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, okay, um, I mean, one of the other things, Kelly, that I know we we've, we've kind of flirted with, Um, in the past in terms of this, uh, well, more generally around the 10 disciplines, the 10 commandments for a secure functioning relationship.
2: Give us us an insight Mm -hmm. into that, if you will. So, I mean, basically it's it's a take on this, you know, the 10 commandments um, of how to live your life that you apply to your relationship. And um, I recommend this to the couples I work with, which is basically to sit down and write out the list of the 10 things that you agree to abide by religiously in your relationship. So for example, um, thou shall always tell the partner um, good and bad news first before telling anybody else um, is one example of that. You know, um, we shall always go to bed together. Um, You know, there's the never go to bed angry. If that one works for you, that can be one of your commandments. So again, it's, it's not a set list of 10 that you should apply to every relationship. The recommendation here is to sit down with your partner and work out what your 10 commandments are together that work for your relationship. Mm. And it's the important thing about this is it's encouraging discussions to happen that don't usually happen. You know, if we come back to, for example, this idea of micro cheating, Um, very common right now is a lot of people will be on dating apps and they say that they use dating apps because one it's entertaining and two they like to meet people that way Um, this is a point to discuss with your partner thou shall not be active on dating apps if that doesn't work for you because you're flirting with somebody else flirting between that couple may be part of, okay, that doesn't belong in our couple bubble, that's a third, so we're going to leave that one out and we make an agreement that we won't do that together.
1: Mm. I can't even think why people, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm personally very, very sort of flexible and broad-minded, but why, if you was in a secure, loving relationship, you would even want to contemplate mildly messing about with things like dating apps. So that one's... Yeah, I need to think about that one, Kelly, but, uh, you know, it's a big world we're living in and we're all different, so um, that's maybe stretch me a little bit, but uh, I'll, I'll try and get my head around that
2: one. Well, I think it comes back to the point of what I said at the beginning is a lot of people don't understand that a connection is not enough to sustain a relationship. You need that security. And mm. a lot of people forget how important creating that secure environment is. And being on dating apps, from a personal view, says, I can do what I want, but it neglects to recognize how important that security is for the relationship.
1: Right. Certainty. I'm I'm not going to go there, Kelly. (laughs) I'm not going to go there. Listeners, you know what I'm talking about. If you followed this mini-series, we're not going to go there. We said we've had one of those, we'd have at least one session, free of you know what, um, and we'll leave it at that. I think this is this is going to be that session, Kelly, if you agree.
2: Okay, we'll, we'll count that as the grey area. The
1: grey area, <laughs> okay. Um, so, as we start to come towards an end then, Kelly, um, I'm going to invite you to share with us, if you will, your contact details, how people can reach out and get in touch with you.
2: Yes, as always, if you're interested to get an overview of all the 10 disciplines of love, you can visit my website at kellybrandly.com forward slash mastering the game of life. And my website is spelled K-E-L-L-Y-B-R-A-N-D-L-I.
1: Superb. And as we always do, Kelly, we finish off by me asking you, you know, what is in the context of this specific 8th episode um, of the the 10 Disciplines. And um, what is the one thing, Kelly, under the specific manner of respecting your relationship? What's that one big piece of powerful advice that you leave with us?
2: Yes, I want to leave everybody with the idea of this visual of the couple bubble, this twosome in there, and to recognize, um, as children do, if you see children playing um, in the same room, alongside each other, parallel playing—they haven't formed a bubble. I challenge everybody to look at your relationship and question: Are you guys playing in parallel, or are you playing together inside your own bubble? And if not, maybe it's time to create one.
1: Mm. And what was coming through there, Kelly? I was envisaging a, a sort of balloon. You know, this—yeah—a um, bubble, a balloon. And I suppose I'd add to that is by saying that when you have created that bubble, don't let anybody pop your balloon at all. Brilliant. And on that uh, semi-humorous note, listeners, thank you for being part of this this amazing journey. Thank you, Kelly, as well for your truly insightful, and I'm going to use the word brilliant insights because you know I think as much as we think we're experienced in life or relationships or whatever it may be. You know, pearls of wisdom like this are invaluable and I'll repeat it, Pete, again from a personal point of view, I've certainly picked up hell of a lot from these conversations, so thank you immensely, Kelly.
2: Thank you, Paul for the opportunity to share this with your listeners. And listeners
1: that um, that brings things to a close and all that remains now is uh, to sign off the way we always do by saying remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing
0: Hello. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul Remember, Mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.